This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 63 of the Washed Up Emo Podcast. So I tend to protect the word emo to a fault. Uh, a few months back, a site called Polygraph, run by Matt Daniels, released a data visualization of what punk bands were considered, so punk, post, screamo, etc., based on Spotify playlists. The emo category consisted of mostly mid-2000s era stuff with some alt-rock, like Evanescence from just way off. So here's how the story went. I tweeted at him angrily, he wrote back nicely, we talked on the phone, and he actually came to my apartment in New York City to talk to me. So while you're listening, check out Polygraph's site, poly-graph.co, and as you might imagine, this was an insanely interesting conversation about data, and I promise you'll learn something about music and habits we all have now with access to everything Matt was so generous with his time, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Episode 63, Matt Daniels from Polygraph. All right, welcome to the Watched Up Emo podcast. Welcome today from the apartment. Fantastic. We had Garrett recently here in the apartment. I have not killed anybody yet. Um, Matt, welcome. He uh, has Polygraph, an amazing, an amazing site um, with tons of data, and I think uh, it's worth chatting about. So, Matt, thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, I'd love for you to give a quick sort of synopsis about the site, sort of why you started it, and then let's get into the data, let's get into the meat. Yeah, so I've been doing uh, music-related projects for quite a while. They're always very interactive and visually driven. And last fall, I had a project with Spotify on the popularity of older music uh, today. So what is the most popular song on Spotify from the 50s or the 60s? And for that project, instead of publishing it on my personal blog, I decided to start the site, Polygraph, which would... Um, lend a little bit more credibility to the project itself, but also open the door for other people to collaborate with me in a lot easier way. So the whole point of the site is really for visual storytelling, which often has to do with data, but doesn't necessarily have to do with data. And uh, yeah, so it's been about four months in the making thus far. Crazy. And you've gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, so I just did a project (laughs) with uh, Billboard this month, and... um, it's my like third most popular thing I've done on the internet, so that was really great. <laughs> Maybe the second most. Today was a good day. SoundCloud tweeted it. Which was oh, nice. rad! Yeah, yeah. Again, like you think that that would be cool. It's more for my ego. Like you look at the traffic and you're like, this is everything people want. Like a two million <laughs> follower account tweeted a thing and like it barely registers maybe people don't use twitter and then you post it on facebook too and nothing really happens interesting yeah i think we overestimate how how like um how how much effect some of these like like uh huge accounts have on in terms of like traffic but either way um that did really well so this month has been really good and i'm excited for the next few and the projects i have in the pipeline and so the, where do those all come from? Is it just you wake up one day and you see something yeah. and you're like, wow, that would be kind of cool? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even um, I'll see something, I'll see a site, like a sneaker site that has data, and I'll be like, that's a cool thing someone should make like a story around, very visual story. And I mean, there's plenty of people who have written about sneakers, but this site in particular have been scraping data from eBay on like auction sales for sneakers, so they know like... Like, it's almost like a stock market. They know wow. prices for, like, sneakers. So 
that's the instance where like I just reached out to the site for data and then I'll figure out what the story is later like what's interesting about the story or the the sneaker world um but yeah I'm I'm I I have a pretty good litmus test for what's a good idea and what's a bad idea and the litmus test usually revolves around uh would this do well within a certain community on Reddit so for example um let's say I wanted to write a, a story about metal music It'd be well. Would the metal community with yeah. Reddit be psyched about this story? Like, would it reach the top of that particular um, subreddit? Subreddit. So um, that's my like barometer for for doing projects. And then obviously intrinsic interest. Like, can I spend a couple weeks or a month toiling away at this and not like lose lose interest? Do I have like intrinsic motivation to work on it? Interesting. Yeah. Where did where did this start? I mean, did you know? I don't know. Like you're like in high school, and you're like, wow, numbers really come easily, or this really comes easily. What? Yeah. What was the moment that you were like, yeah. wow, I got, I think I get this. <laughs> I mean, I've always been like a very visual thinker. I think a lot of people are actually default this way. Like people think in pictures and drawings, or like sketch out ideas. Uh, there's actually a great like uh, quote from this guy Brett Victor, who does a lot of like philosophy and thinking in the space that the greatest minds think in pictures um like Feynman diagrams are uh are like a thing a thing in science that was first understood in drawings and then written in prose for academia to actually communicate uh but the idea is that like we think visually but we we communicate with with words so uh I've always been a visual thinker and I want to try to be a visual communicator also and then where all this started was actually uh, I was playing ping pong at work with a friend. We were talking about the um, sh- the word shorty, which is like a, a slang word in hip hop. And if you if you know your hip hop history, uh, shorty referred to like a child or a guy predominantly uh, in the '90s, and then slowly shifted to uh, referring to a woman in like the 2000s. Um, like there's a there's in the club by 50 cent starts with go shorty it's your birthday and they're not talking about a dude right so the question was then like well what happened like why was there this semantic shift in the definition of shorty so uh we went to well i went to rap genius which is a crowdsourced lyric site for hip-hop and then asked them to send me all of their data so that I could look into <laughs> why the, why there was a semantic shift in this word. So so really that was a um, my first like data driven project. Did they and was it the when was this for Rap Genius? This was uh, like late two thousand. This was like two thousand thirteen. This was oh, probably nice. been like two or three years ago. Rad. Yeah. I um I uh, met with Rap Genius really early on when they were starting in like yeah. 09 yeah, and yeah. they were super cool and yeah. I remember like you know being like this is a really cool idea um, like you guys are going to go somewhere with this yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then to have them transfer to Genius and be yeah. able to kind of do a cross it's, yeah. and then all the data they have yeah they're working with Spotify now which is cool yeah this, yes yeah yeah one of our artists I work with is a part of that yeah, um, the integration. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Well, interestingly, um, I don't know if this is public, but like a lot of those things are not like a lot of the crowdsourcing annotations like are not entirely accurate. Like they're people's guesses what yeah. these things mean. So, so it's unfortunate that like a lot of the stuff you see on Spotify is just like a history lesson rather than like the community's interpretation of these words which most artists leave open like they don't say that this is what they meant by this lyric this was this person and this yeah yeah yeah. it's like okay here's what here's what we think this means um and of course that's uh subjective and your (laughs) spotify probably isn't like too keen on like having subjective interpretations of artists lyrics on their app but um genius itself is a really cool site yeah and it's surprising when i hear people not know about it because it's a great source for like nerding out on music yeah, and yeah. then uh, the, I mean the hip hop one—that's your sort of love. The one that I, you know, that I loved was you know looking at hip hop songs and where they were on the chart and what time yeah, period. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was. I sat there. I mean, I think I like shut my door at my office and was like, <laughs> "All right, well, I'm going to start diving in." <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, we we you know we talked about this where it was like I went to nine eleven and I was yeah. like, "What was going on then?" Right, because right, right. I wasn't thinking about music when I was living here. I was thinking about other stuff. So what was on the radio, what what things change? It's and you're able to look at that stuff now. Yeah, yeah. I picked hip hop when, when I went to Billboard with the idea. We went, we went with hip hop. Well, at least I wanted them to go with hip hop because 
I was confident the hip hop community would nerd out on this. I wasn't sure what would happen to other genres, so I plan on like expanding it to just the Hot 100, so that's cross genre, and then country and like electronic music. Um, but yeah, that was that was a very cool project, and um, so definitely channeled from my own interest in hip hop, but really it was more of a hedging of risk terms of investing the effort in and knowing like there would be a response at least from the hip-hop community which is always like hip-hop is dead yeah it was always better before um which we can well obviously talk about with punk music yeah. <laughs> um, but i know that exists in hip-hop so that was what was behind that project really that's really cool yeah, everyone yeah. should check that one out um you can pause the podcast now and do it um and go <laughs> find it um i just loved it it was like this you know real time i mean anything i clicked you know, it would pop that up and it would it just seem to keep you. Yeah. Which I think is really hard today. Yeah. <laughs> to keep someone sitting somewhere yeah. doing something for longer than yeah. 10 seconds. <laughs> the average time on site is the highest that I've ever had for a That was my next question. Well, yeah. like, that's, that's great. Yeah, it was roughly like five minutes, but, um. That's amazing. It's, it's, like, I've definitely had a lot of tweets that were like, I just spent an hour on this site. No hyperbole. I literally just spent an hour. It's like a full tweet. I think that happened about a hundred times, which is hilarious. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I was shocked by the amount of time people spent on the site. Um, and yeah, like the the impetus behind that was that you could listen to the data. So effectively, the songs play for as long as they're at number one. So if you were just to listen to the entire thing and watch it, you would have a, you would notice like a regional shifts in music. Um, so, for example, if you were to do this for the Hot 100, you would see, or, or let's stick with uh, hip-hop for now. If you were to do this with hip-hop, you would see it move from the East Coast to the West Coast to the South, South and all of the implications of what that means from a sound perspective and, and a thematic perspective. I loved jumping. Yeah. So I'd go, like, 92, 2002, and, like, yeah. it was just, like, this, yeah. such a weird, like, I was like, wow, that is a ton more compression, <laughs> or, like, oh, whatever right, it was, right. like, like oh, the style of yeah. sound. Yeah. I'd be interesting, I'm, I'm really excited to do this with the Hot 100 data, um, where you're now, you're going to see genre shifts, and, like, culture gravitating towards um, hip-hop, and rock, and even country, like, yeah. country's big now, um, so that's going to be really interesting to see, like, what genres pop. And like, what what is the zeitgeist of music at a particular point, and hearing how long that lasts? So that would be like a really fun thing once I like plug in the data. Are you thinking about more of like a? Is it almost like you do it, you have your conclusions, but then it's sort of like the song and the lyric. You're letting everyone else sort of interpret it, or are you trying to come to conclusions of yeah a little bit? So um, my hypothesis, going back to like visually driven content, is that uh, I don't want to read it. 20,000 word analysis of a thing like there's that exists on the internet already um, I think I think people like reading analysis uh, they like reading data analysis they like, they like reading long research papers potentially but I think people do want to play like data analysts themselves like they want to wear that hat um, and a lot of people I think traditionally believe no one wants to do that they want someone else to do that work and then present them with the findings um, but I think people really do nerd out on data and they're willing to put in the effort. Um, there's this subreddit within Reddit. It sounds like you're familiar with Reddit. Yes. Um, called Data is Beautiful. Yes. Great which, subreddit. Which is a great subreddit. Um, but if you look at the numbers on Data is Beautiful in terms of how many people are subscribed to that subreddit, it's like one of the top 50 subreddits on Reddit. So it's beating like film and like, like uh, rubbing shoulders with the music community in terms of size. So if you were to tell me that like the data community on Reddit is as big as like the movie and film community, I'd like laugh at you, but that's absolutely the case. And then you also have to realize, I think that like Reddit is a good proxy for internet culture. If the, for example, um, the hip hop community on Reddit is much larger and active than the music community, which is because people are more interested in genres than just all music. Yeah. So you could actually look at like punk and emo, and you, I think I think emo is probably bigger than punk right now. And again, like the, the the subscribers of these communities is a good proxy for how large that actual community exists in the world. Um, so data, going back to the earlier point, data is beautiful. It's a huge community. Um, so I think people underestimate how interested in data analysis people are. So to answer your question about finding insights, um, my whole thing is present the data in a visually compelling way so people can do the data analysis. Like, I want people to see the audible and visual genre changes when I do this Hot 100 thing. Like, I want them to see that 
there was a shift in the late 80s, mid, early 90s towards hip-hop. And then maybe that went away towards more poppy versions of hip-hop. And then, like, electronic music and mm-hmm. dubstep and, like, Skrillex happened. Like, that needs to be very visually signaled so that people can draw those insights themselves rather than reading... 20 pages. 20 pages. and With and, two diagrams. Yeah, and It's not yeah. going to be enough. Yeah. So I'm almost making, like, like, a data console for people to query. But one that doesn't sound as nerdy and boring as like what yeah. I just said. Or as daunting as Google Analytics or something. Yeah, yeah. Like people have been playing with um, a great example of this is uh, Google Ngrams, which is a, uh, a thing that you can query that basically says how often words are used in books. And it's specifically designed for looking at cultural trends using uh, frequency of words in books. So it's meant for very one one specific purpose, which is the opposite of Google Trends, which is like, look at what the internet is searching for, but that can mean anything. So the books thing is actually much more compelling than the Google Trends thing. So uh, I try to make like things that are like Google engrams, like very specific use mm-hmm. cases of a data visualization for analysis. And niche, and you know that that niche is going to go into it. And yeah. Def- which is yeah. how we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the punk project was based around the fact that there's so much subjectivity around genres and that had a little bit different of an angle. Like, I definitely wrote more prose on that one because um, I, I had, a, like, a personal vendetta on the data. Like, I wanted to make a point. Um, but, yeah, the, the the impetus behind that was that I knew that there was a lot of... Uh, genres were very divisive in terms of their definitions. And I felt like there was a way to explain that with data without writing, like, 20,000 words about it, which plenty of people have done. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen this, there's this amazing sort of visualization of Spotify. If I'm saying this, if, correct me. So Spotify playlists and YouTube playlists. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And what those bands were. Yeah. And then which were, I think, I mean, you think you said you took, was it 10,000 playlists? Lots of playlists. Was, more than that. Was more, um, there was more, there, oh, it was 2,000 Emo specific ones. Yeah, were put in. Exactly. that's what it was. That was yeah, the thousand yeah. I had. It was like tens of thousands of playlists across the thing. But the point, the question was like, today in 2015, what bands do we associate with emo? Obviously, this is going to be weighed based on popularity. But that aside, yes. like if we ran, if we walked up to like some random New Yorker and asked them, what is emo music? Like, I want to know who has the most check marks against their name from a band perspective. Um, and the, the, the reason for that is because the hypothesis was, was that people would be shocked by the answers and that some bands are basically uh, displacing others in terms of what, what we think their, their association of a certain genres are, and others have, have stayed the same. Um, but the problem is we can't just go up to 10,000 New Yorkers and ask them this. Um, and even if we did, most would struggle to even name one, yes. right? So... Uh, there's nowhere on the internet where people basically categorize bands with genres. They do kind of subconsciously do this when they set up playlists with the genre in its name. So I was like, okay, that's an interesting data set. What if we look at any playlist with the words punk in it, or emo, or uh, uh, hardcore, hardcore, um, or even like something more niche like grindcore, and then and then look at who are the most common artists on those playlists. And obviously that has like a popularity bias to it, but that's what precisely we're trying to understand is like, you say grindcore, what is the most common band that people put in mm-hmm. the playlist? And that just gives us a sense of how artists are categorized with genres. Um, and sometimes, and I felt like that would be an interesting thing to communicate to people, um, which helps underscore the divisiveness of what genres are defined by. I mean, it was exactly the, what was it, the top five are usually, you know, the, what we would expect. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, like very... Fall Out Boy, Panic, yeah. My Chem. Was Blink up there? Um, I, I don't even, there were, I did it for like 16 subgenres of punk, and um, so we'll have to go back to the data. Yeah, I think, but, I, uh, I, I'll, yeah. while you figure that out, I'll, I'll load it up <laughs> so we have it. But yeah, I think it was the... Um, I think it. I think it was. But anyway, the what what you would expect was, you know, at the top, which says to me, and you, when we talked earlier, I thought it was age that younger people were making the playlist. But this was this wasn't. Yeah. That wasn't the case. I didn't have age data for everything, but I did have it for Blink One Eighty Two. And the initial hypothesis was that old people call Blink One Eighty Two pop music, pop punk, mm-hmm. and young people call it punk punk. 
Um, but it ended up being basically I didn't I didn't report the data because it kind of threw off the narrative and it just ended up being too long. Um, but uh, regardless of age, the breakdown was the same. So just as many old people are placing Blink One Eighty Two and yep. generically punk playlists with no prefix to it, and there are just as many young people calling Blink One Eighty Two pop punk. Um, so there doesn't seem to be the generational bias that I thought there would be, but that was just for Blink One Eighty Two. It absolutely could change for emo, for example. But why? Let's stay on Blink. Why is it? Is it the? Is it the technology or is it the the streaming that whatever the age of the person and then or is it they got really big and transcended and your older brother told you about them and then like was it MTV like what was that impetus that you feel makes them punk like why are people putting yeah. that and then across so many different things yeah I mean I think okay so one people are like well. One thing we have to consider is um, why is Blink-182 even number one? Because they're not even a recent band. Like, they're, for all intents and purposes, an old band. Yes. Um, so if you're 15 years old... You asked, were told about them. Yeah, you were definitely told about them. Um, I don't know. I can't remember when their last album dropped, but it's absolutely more than, like, 10 years. Uh, so if you're, if you're under 18, you have no idea. You did not grow up with Blink-182. No. Um, <laughs> which, so, so that's one thing is, like, okay... We're talking about an old band being the most associated with this genre, so we don't have like the the case with um, where it was like uh, like metalcore where like Bring the Horizon. Bring was, me like, the horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, which I didn't know about until I started this. That project. is unfortunate. Yeah. That is an unfortunate <laughs> thing that had to happen. Um, either way, so there's <laughs> that, and then okay, remind me one more time with the question. Like, so why wh- blink? Why blink? Because yeah. I mean, growing up, it was no effects. That that's was the punk band, and I. But right, again, right, right. what if this had come out in the '90s and yeah. we had all the like? What yeah. could that have shifted? But we well, don't have the data. Well, it's just, it's kind of the same thing. It's like in the mid '90s, late '90s, everyone was like, "Blink One Eighty Two is not punk music. Um, it's some bastardized, watered down version of what everyone was playing before, and it's pop punk because they're mainstream." And you have probably have that same exact thing happening now. Like if we find like a twenty one year old, they're gonna be like, Okay, Blink one eighty two is the no effects of their age. Yes. And then there's like Fallout Boy or someone who's like the watered down version of Blink one eighty two. Or whatever it is, yeah. Whatever it is. And I'm sure like they're naive on several levels where like they maybe don't know the complete history, or maybe they don't even care. Because yeah. for them, <laughs> Blink one eighty two is old. Yes. Just as old as everything else. Yes. Like <laughs> I actually had this theory with the Timeless Project with Spotify is that if it's over 10 years old since you were born, like, it all kind of blends together. Um, like, like the difference between, uh, so I was born in 85, the difference between someone who was playing in the late 70s versus early 70s is, like, negligible. Like, it's yes. just old music. Um, so whether, like, I have certain attachment to late 70s versus early 70s is, like, meaningless. Whereas, like, if you grew up in those, in that time... You know every yeah, moment. Yeah, like, those are eons apart. Like, that's, like, like a different... Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like a different age of dinosaurs. Yeah. Right? Like, it has a different periodic period name. Um, so I think that's really interesting as well in, in like, why Blink-182. But, but honestly, it was because, I think, in its day, it was the most shitted on from a punk perspective like you've like they are not playing punk music punk music is not playing going into it's this other thing so is that the goal then yeah. as a band you need to get shit on for Maybe. you to have a career <laughs> or, yeah i mean controversy is good yes i mean i remember watching in research for this project i watched a lot a lot of documentaries and plenty of it was talking about like green day in its day yeah and how like uh, people were shitting on Green Day as being not punk music, and and now like if you're young enough, like that is that is that is the, the elder statesman. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I pick on Blink One Eighty Two because there were the divisive band of that time, and you're right. Like maybe controversy is what is interesting from a genre perspective. Also, again, it's not. To, I don't think what happened is Blink One Eighty Two changed. Our understanding of punk music changed. Like the 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 center of gravity for what sound represents this this um, container that we call punk is constantly shifting from a generational perspective. So if I talk to someone old enough, they're gonna be like, "Well, that's absolutely not punk music because it doesn't sound like X, Y, and Z. Like the chord progressions or the speed or this the length of the song. Like it breaks all the rules." 
And the whole point of the project was like, there are no rules. We think there are rules and they only exist in our head. <laughs> and like the ones that are saying like X is not genre Y is, is just a curmudgeonly discussion and we're not going to yes. ever get to an answer. <laughs> um, and I pick on punk music also was uh, like, that's where there's a lot of divisiveness among lots of genres. In fact, I'd argue that metal music probably has more divisiveness, but there's so much um, elitism in that genre. Like I don't even want to touch it with a stick. Um, because I'm not well versed enough to navigate the intricacies, the, the of, all intricacies of of like talking about the subgenres of metal. Um, so punk yeah. and obviously emo. You know, yeah. I you know I I think there's a whole thing about. But I I mean, fill my brain because you know I've been thinking this certain way, but like maybe think from it from your perspective, which is yeah. outside of it. Yeah. So this has always been happening. You know the word itself. I just I'm I'm still grappling with it. The word itself got super popular. Yeah. And then the internet hit. Yeah. At the same time, which was another sort of sped everything up. Yeah. Like it wasn't you know this it wasn't niche communities and there was this internet. And it was quick and you could find out about things. It got super popular, super quick, poppy, and the word sort of. Emo was sort of pulled into. I mean, p- people think "Bring Me the Horizon" is. Yeah. And so, for some reason, where it was sort of emo was put in this independent world, and it was this sort of offshoot of hardcore, then was sort of taken like punk into all these other different bands. Yeah. But I felt the internet somehow sped <laughs> it up way fast, and yeah, it got really popular real quick. So I don't know where the question was in that, but that's yeah. my like. Cur- like, I get so confused of, yeah. like, how did that fucking happen so yeah. quick? Yeah, I mean, I am I was not around for, like, the like the mid-90s emo, th- like, wave. So, but that was where, like, most of my research was, was spent. Like, okay, we have, like, the etymology of emo starting in the 80s. Yes. And then, like, the 90s, and there became, like, a ton of emotional baggage with the word. And, like, whether you were emo or not. And Even the band. 80s, too. Everyone Even fucking the 80s, hated it. yeah. Yeah, no one, like... That's another thing to, like... No one... No, yeah. I've never found a band I've ever interviewed that says, <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. Like, everyone's like, I hate that you're inter- interviewing me right now. You know? Yeah. Like, they're not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, getting into the divisiveness of genres. Yes. Like, how can a band disagree with the label their audience is giving them? Right? <laughs> it's totally true. Um... But again, like, then you're back to, it's not that they're disagreeing, it's just, like, they, the, the whole definition exists in everyone's heads, right? I'm so, just a rock band. Yeah, I'm a rock band, playing <laughs> indie music, I don't know, right? <laughs> that so, doesn't work well in the press release. Yeah, because we want, we like, like, the band has their own vision of what they're playing, but then the whole purpose of genres are to talk about music, because it's hard to say, oh, I like Let's say I like hip hop. Like I like spoken word on beat with like snare drums and kick. Like you say hip hop to have like a discussion. So you need to do that forever now. Just say that whole like yeah. You're meeting a girl or whatever. And you're like, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm into you know. Yeah. So there's there's a purpose for genres. It's just that that we all are that we all have different ways. We all have different understandings of what that means based on how old we are and our worldview and where we grew up and all that type of stuff. So when I say I like punk music, I might have to preface that by saying also, oh, and I mean Blink-182, or like, oh, I like emo music, and by that I mean like this this part of emo, not that part, because it's such a nuanced, subjective word, and it has such widely, wide definitions. Do you feel that, and this from your research, that when you were looking at the 80s, 90s, and 2000s of emo, did you see any difference with that specific genre than others? about the divisiveness and also what sort of happened like yeah because i feel like there's if you go to if we did that ten thousand person thing and we went out in the street and said mm-hmm. they're going to pick that six year of time period 2002 right. to 2008 right, right right and i feel like punk someone's gonna say the ramones someone might say uh uh, you know, Circle Jerks. Yeah. Or someone might say Warzone. They've forgotten the earlier period, which we were it's, talking it, about earlier. So it's it's forgotten. Has that, do you feel that, has that happened to other genres when you were researching yeah. it? I think emo was especially interesting because even with punk music, again, we're talking about Green Day and Blink-182, which are old 
from all standards. Yes. Like with emo, we have Fall Out Boy heavily over-indexing, right? And, like, Panic at the Disco and all those, like, again, like, early, uh, mid-2000s bands, right? Um, so, so emo, if anything, was, was, had way much more of a bias towards recent bands. Uh, and we can get into that in a second, but in terms of, like, bands that still hold on to their roots, like, you saw a lot of that with, like, post-punk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had some bands that uh, are still intertwined with the inception of the word itself. So I think if we um, if we go to the data here yeah, yeah. really quickly, um, so for post punk, we still had Joy Division, more or less. Like if we went to a random population of people, we said, "What is post punk?" And they said, "Well, kind of like Joy Division," which is great because they're an old band. They and succeeded. They succeeded. The post-punk version of my podcast is yeah. probably not anymore because they succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they... <laughs> no one's disagreeing about what post-punk is. How... Why did that happen? I don't know. I wish I knew. Fuck. Too, well, we're done. Uh, no, yeah, just kidding. we're done. Yeah. Um, but about 34, so about a third of all punk... So if we look at all playlists that have the words post-punk in them... Joy Division appears on about a third of them, which is great because that means there's a lot of agreement when people create post-punk playlists that they more or less put Joy Division in them. Um, so that's that's really really important when you think about like how um, how much agreement there is in terms of what a band what bands are attached to a certain subgenre. Um, so that that is an interesting data point for me at least. And then like with hardcore. Like, it was a little bit more interesting because we didn't have any bands at, like, the 30% level, which makes sense because hardcore has a ton of... So many connotations. So many connotations and, like, a ton of what I would call, like, genrefication. Like regional. Regional and, like, subgenres of hardcore. And, like, we have to have... No one can just say hardcore. They have to, like, add a bunch of suffixes or prefixes, right? So that makes sense that... The most popular band on a hardcore playlist is um, Agnostic Front, and even then it's at 12%. So, Which I'm okay with. Which you're okay with, actually. But that number four is a day to remember. Right, which is a much more recent band, right? So, um, which is fine. Bad Brains, we're good. Minor Threats, Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah, but on one hand I'm like, well, yes, it's good that the word hardcore is still attached to its inception, like in the 80s. other hand, like... It's also important for genres to expand. Like, it's good that emo maybe has more new bands associated with it because that means maybe the genre is progressing. Um, but then there's a newer version of that from the 2010 onward. Yes, with the revival. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, which hasn't? I think there hasn't, and people could disagree and um, roll their eyes. There hasn't been a song or a band yet to take it. Yeah, like what Bleed American did with Jimmy World and the middle and sort right, of right. kind of blowing up that thing. Something hasn't happened like that again. Do I want it? Maybe I don't, but I do want it for the band's sake. But yeah. do you need those moments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, the point of this project also is not to define like these bands don't define the genre. Like the, looking at this data is not saying like hardcore is agnostic front the point of this is that this is what people are doing this is just like to illustrate the subjectivity of genres so the point was like okay we all in the mid 90s were like in late 90s blink 182 pop punk yep and the point of this project was well wait a minute not necessarily today punk punk so it's not to say that like this list is is definitive in terms of like how the world thinks about emo music because it's highly limited, right? This will be playlists. fun in ten years. Yeah, it'll be fun in ten years. But it's it's again to point out like here's where the center of gravity is for a lot of these genres in terms of the connotations that they have with certain bands. And right now, when people think of emo, these are some of the bands that most often maybe come to mind um, based on this this again very limited mm-hmm. data set. So so. I guess to go back to your question, like why why aren't there more recent bands for emo? I guess is is where you're at. Maybe it's just because they're not popular, you know. Yeah. Like maybe there aren't any mainstream breakout success bands of the past few years. But I am so still... surprised that Jimmy Eat World isn't on here. Yeah, well, maybe they're farther down, which is fun because I added like a, a top ten list or a top hundred. Play along with the site <laughs> while you're with us, by the yeah. way, when you're listening. Oh yeah, they're they're at eight percent. Yeah, yeah, and again, like maybe they're just like. Not as uh, Imagine Dragons, The Fray, 
Skillet. Is that, did, did they mean to write Skrillex, or is that actually something? That must be a band. Adele. Uh, Adele, yeah. And, and Which might be the case. Again, like... Papa people... Roach. I'm just listening so, so we kind of see that yeah. there's... There's good... There's across the board... There's... There's bands from all over the place. I mean... I, I cannot believe the, you know, from three doors down, and yes, this is the specific subset, right, but it, it's right. just, it's so interesting that I'm not seeing, and maybe that's just the case. They weren't that popular. It was before a certain time. Yeah. And you're right about those 10-year things that this, you could have, you yeah. tell anybody, 80s, 90s, they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, we could, let's just take punk, for example. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was a very punk band that existed in the late seventies that no one listens to or cares about and have been like are in the shadows of the of the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, right? Um that's that's kinda I think where your head is at right now. It's like, oh, there is the most emo band I can think of not on this list. What the what the hell? But it's not like they were unknown. They like Sunny Day like influenced Right, right. They were like a huge... It wasn't like they just kind of came and went. Like, they had MTV Airplay. They had a reunion tour. They played with those bands. They had a... They were... They're referenced in articles. But for some reason... Yeah. Is it the sound? Is it how... I think it's just because it didn't have hooks and breakdowns (laughs) and we're dumber and we want something easier. I think my we're hunch, not dumb, or I'm just messing. Around. Yeah, yeah. I think my hunch is is not necessarily. I think that's true. And uh, emo itself, like the genre, def- the, the the connotation of the genre, have very much been co opted. Yes. So if you think about like well, why is Adele on like emo playlists? Like who's putting Adele on emo playlists? So maybe like the way people think about the word emo has changed. Like it isn't this like sound, but is more uh, a feeling. So when people create their sad emo playlists, which like, is interesting because of all the goth stuff, yeah, uh, the UK was a big, you know, this and other countries and and especially the US, goth was like associated with it, and you know, suicide and depression and all those things were, and it was a whole thing for a f- couple years where that's what people thought it was. So that, but yeah. why did that stick around? <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, save me, Matt. For hip hop, it's like it's really intuitive for me. Like I like Pitbull is probably the. Oh my god! I bet you you have so much on Pitbull. Pitbull is like (laughs) very common on hip hop playlists, but like you're like, well, he's probably the farthest you can get from hip hop today. um, When you think of like the actual roots and the influence of like certain bands and MCs and rappers, Um, but again, like that's not what this 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 is trying to test. It's like. When people make when people make hip hop playlists, when people try to categorize bands in certain genres, like you get a lot of Pitbull, for example, which is okay because he's really popular right now. And maybe to your point, like the the influencers, the ones that uh, certainly had a role in creating the genre, but maybe have fallen out of the limelight, like they're not going to appear as often. Um, and again, that's why that is why we have disagreements on genres. It's because like things become more popular and like I'm sure in 20 years Pitbull will be like the the Biggie Smalls of hip hop for a certain generation I don't know and then I'm gonna be an old person that's gonna be like oh you kids with your Pitbull you don't even know real hip hop and then everything's come full circle everything's come full circle yeah I love that yeah so I I mean uh, to sum up do you have any hope that one day emo will be like post-punk and we'll have amazing playlists with Sunny Day Real Estate at the top. Oh, I don't know. Emo is such a weird word to begin with. Um, everyone hates it. Everyone hates it. And then, like, on one hand, like, to your point, maybe you have to be widely hated to be loved. Like, maybe it will return. Um, I don't know. It, it's a weird one. I think, I think the fact that there's so many recent bands in the emo, like, list suggests that uh, things will change rapidly. Like, the bands that you were... Um, anticipating would be on the list from like the last three years. Maybe we'll take those. Will they be there? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny that they're, and I actually wanted to ask you about this. Like they sort of skipped over a a part of the history of that word Mm -hmm. and went to an earlier. So the emo revival bands of the, you know, 2010 onward, 
Yes, some of them were punk. Yes, some of them went pop. But a lot jumped to the 90s and were yeah. obsessed with American football, obsessed with, you know, Braid or, you know, Mineral. They were, they kind of jumped. Has that happened, do you feel, from other genres or even hip-hop? Did you feel that some people are like, oh, wow, that other thing before? No way, I'm going to go back. And yeah. then there's like almost like a, a, like a leap. Yeah, for this project, I only looked at punk, and I think that would be a cool thing to do with other genres. Like, what took a leap? Yeah, I don't know. That would be, like, really cool. Like, is hip-hop going to look back at... I mean, I was working uh, um, a lot of Southern uh, hip-hop when I was at the label, and Little John, and all that kind of stuff, and is it going to go back? Like, is there going to be a revert? Like, I don't know. Like, yes, everything's cyclical, and the 70s come back, the 80s come back, the 90s, but even more than a decade, the, the sub genre type yeah i i mean i think of it is is highly generational and again like we'll move forward it'll be it'll be the year 2030 or 2040 and we're gonna look back and And blink will still be there and blink will still be there or um (laughs) these bands that we think uh are are insignificant will have taken the baton and will be like the the stake in the ground for how we think about this genre if I um, ever have Back to the Future, like, and I can get that book, I wouldn't get it for sports. Yeah. I would go to Billboard. I would look at all those. Oh, right, and like... right, right. Yeah. Like, what are people listening to? Yeah. What are people um, listening to? Yeah. I mean, this happened a lot with the Spotify project that, like, every generation thinks the previous, or every generation thinks the future generation doesn't understand the music and, like, doesn't respect the influencers. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I think this I, is the end of washed up emo. Yeah. So I'm done. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm going to give up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, I think you're fighting a good fight in terms of like trying to, uh, shine the spotlight on bands that were consequential to like what happened in, in like the last 10 years for emo. Uh, so I, I was, I remember talking to you about like, well, what's, what's your, what, what do you get excited about? It's like, people remember these bands as being important and consequential which is great because part of nerding out on music is understanding the history the reason why we have a lot of disagreement on genres is because some people have gone further down the rabbit hole yes. in terms of knowing the things um, and it's so much easier yeah yeah the problem is that like not everyone goes down the rabbit hole so when someone's like oh i love pitbull you're like you kind of you know you grab you hold your face and you're like <laughs> oh this person doesn't even know anything um which is fine because again, like, hey, my friends over there, I'll talk to them. Yeah, like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> but in thirty years, like, not thirty years, but in fifty years, like, I'll I'll probably be dead, and like, I will not be able to share the history, and things will have moved on. Um, like, I I think I know rock and roll, but I mean that probably goes back to Chuck Berry, and then it stops. And I'm sure there was like, like, people before me that were like, well, you don't even know the roots of rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like Chuck Berry was actually like. Not even consequential. I don't know, right? But it's really interesting to see what thing, what gets taken as what, like a band or a time or a genre, and that continues. Yeah. Like, we, I always joke with people, like, what band am I going to see at the arena? Like, everyone is seeing Pearl Jam or U2 or yeah. Bruce. Like, yeah, what is yeah. that band going to be? Going to be. Oh, that'd be really funny. Like, what are, what... What? We always have those discussions. Yeah, like, yeah. what's the what's the emo version of Bruce Springsteen yeah. in twenty years? Well, that's like that's a catalog discussion as well. It's like who's gonna have who's gonna have a legacy essentially, um, which was another part of like the, the Spotify Timeless project was um, who whose music decays at a very low rate. So they're really popular, right? I, let's think of like the most popular band right now, um, like a like a like a like a one hit wonder. Not a one hit wonder. I'm just trying to think of like I'm doing a bunch of Grammys work now, right now. So. Coldplay. Coldplay. Okay, so let's take Coldplay because um, they're performing at the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Uh, so they come out. They're dropping an album. Actually, have they dropped an album? I think they did. They did. Okay, so they have a new album that came out. They have out, a new right? album. And the question then is like, it got really popular, and then what happened? Like, do people still listen to it? Like, a year from now, is it as listened to it as it is now? And that's that's really what we're looking for when thinking about the legacy of artists. So for Fall Out Boy, for example, like, are they going to be a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things? Or will they be the Bruce Springsteen of evil? Oh, right? I just threw up, but okay. it's fine. 
I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what toes I'm stepping on. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's just a. It's a. Yeah. It's a long-standing joke. Yeah, yeah. So the the data the data I think is interesting is basically daily plays of music and how quickly they decline. So if you take a typical hit, so um, I don't know. Uh, foster the people. Foster the people, or um, I'm thinking of even like something more poppy, like All About That Bass by Megan Trainer, who I'm just doing research on for unrelated project. But like that is a hugely successful yes. song. Yes, good. That's a good. That's a better example. Will it? Will it be popular in a year? Like, will people nostalgically listen to that song <laughs> in 2017? <laughs> I don't know, but my hunch is probably not. Right? Like that's a that's a that's a type of song that gets really popular and then nobody listens to it anymore. Another example is like Get Lucky by Daft Punk. Yes. Super popular and then like we're all sick of it and never want to listen to it again. Sigh. Sigh. Um, another one is um, uh, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Like we all had our dose of that we're done. Like no one's going to fill done. an arena for Robin Thicke. No. Unfortunately. Sorry for all the Robin Thicke fans. Um, but <laughs> A lot of listeners on this yeah, podcast. The but the opposite of that are like songs that stick around. So part of the Spotify project was like, okay, why are songs from the fifties still popular today? So one of those is, um, at last by Etta James, which was actually never popular in its day, but for some reason over the course of time due to like movies and covers and other random events has stuck around popular culture and has a legacy. Like we would fill an arena for Etta James if that were to happen. Right. So, that's that's interesting in the sense that sometimes the emo band that that has the Bruce Springsteen arena, like they might not be the most popular band. In fact, they might be like a very underground indie unknown band that for some reason stuck around popular culture and didn't just like flash in the pan, get really popular and die, but maybe grew their audience over time. And you have that often with um, with we see that now with like bands from the eighties. Like, Don't Stop Believing from Journey, like, actually wasn't that popular of a song, but it somehow gotten more popular over time for, again, many, many reasons, right? So that's an interesting thing when thinking about the future popularity of emo and, like, who will fill an arena. It's not necessarily the most popular band. It maybe is somebody else. And f- f- figuring out those ingredients for why they, de- they don't well, decline. We is- have two. We have two? They want to be hated. You got to <laughs> be hated. hated. Right, right. And then you have to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, or other random things like die, um, like people ha- that have like mysteriously passed away earlier in their career. Like that's an ingredient for somehow preserving your legacy, as weird as that is. With, I mean, work related. I can expense this now. Yeah. Jeff Buckley. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but what? Where could he have still? Where yeah. would he have been if he was stuck around? But because yeah. he's not there and he can't say anything, right, right, the mystique and and then the other thing is like the opposite of that, like people that stuck around, um, that that didn't die but kept releasing music. So, um, like I remember seeing a statistic, something like it's either Dave Matthews Band or Fish that are like the the highest grossing band from a concert perspective because they keep performing. Like, they've been touring forever. Yeah. And they have been preserving their legacy because they are just grinding, right? So that's another factor that is the complete opposite. It's like, they have managed to just... Stay. Stay. Every exactly. summer. Yeah. I'm going, to, I'm yeah. going up to, uh, you know, the, the shed. I'm going to watch Dave. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you do. Yeah. And Dave wasn't necessarily, like, the most popular band from the 90s um, or earlier 2000s. I don't know when they stopped recording, but, like... They have managed to preserve the legacy so that today they are arguably one of the most popular bands from the nineties. Um, like and drugs and drugs, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's a cool thing to think about when when you lament like oh the emo bands like who are we going to think about in twenty forty? Like it might actually be someone who you really respect, but maybe maybe they're ahead be. of their time and they're not popular because they're creating something that or something happens where like maybe yeah. a movie movie or a yeah. sink or yeah. you find out about this time period you're like oh i had no idea yeah, and then yeah. it reinvigorates yeah. the other thing is like there's a lot of emotional baggage with emo right now the word itself so maybe in 30 years like people will like not care about emo like their connotations might actually be very nostalgic reminiscent rather than like the the hot topic connotations yeah. that i think uh, pervade right now. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I think 
um, I'm going to make you do more emo stuff. I'll <laughs> okay. pay for it. Yeah. Um, but I think the what what you're doing and how you're looking at this stuff and, and genre and and data, I'm just I'm fascinated, and I think it's such an amazing thing to think about and discussions because you're right. We're already doing this anyway. Yeah. And it's fun to sort of not just from a personal thing, but now I can see. Yeah. This is what. This, you know, you took a subset or a group of data. Yeah. This is what things are happening. And then it's, it's, it's almost like I still got work to do, you know, yeah. for my case. Or someone's yeah. having another discussion. The, the whole point of these projects is to incite discussion, more intelligent discussions, I, I believe. Like, instead of just arguing, like, oh, Blink is pop punk or punk. Like, really, we're talking about semantics, right? <laughs> so true. Like, we're, we're, we're talking I'm guilty. About, we're talking about linguistics. <laughs> and, I, yeah, so, so you have this running joke. On your podcast, like, is this band emo? Like, and uh, yes, the website yeah. and everything has yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the jokes. The, the question for me is like, and what I would want to have incited by a project is like, oh, this is actually like, we're talking about linguistics, not necessarily like your definition, Tom's definition of emo versus like someone's uh, uh, uninformed definition, right? Like, there's really a lot more going on in complexity going on in terms of like whether a band is emo or not. So that's what I try to get across on these Because it's not just the sound, you know? There's yeah. all these different factors. It, again, like, it exists in our heads. Yes. Like, it will constantly change. Like, I'm fucking crazy, I know. Yeah, yeah. In 20 <laughs> years, you will, you, uh, your we'll answers might entirely change. True. Yeah. And that's what these projects try to do is, like, I think they incite discussions that we wouldn't otherwise have. So with rapper, I did a project on rappers' vocabularies as well. And the whole point there, again, was to stop, not stop, but, like, have a discussion around a data point that I think is really interesting because a lot of rappers do dumb down their lyrics to reach the mainstream. And that that's a discussion no one would have if the data wasn't there. And the data is not perfect. Like, all the data is going to be flawed. But directionally, it's interesting enough to have an intelligent discussion about music that otherwise would, would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that was it. Is there anything else you want to bring up, or um, like that was it? yeah? So I have like lots of other music projects in the pipeline. Um, I'm Please always plug. looking for writers and developers, and um, even project managers to help out on stuff like this. And if you want to like jam on a, a collaborate, like absolutely email me. Um, I'm sure you can find the info. I will on, link everything on. Up. Yeah, Tom's Tom will find a way to send you the info. <laughs> Um, so thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Dude, so fucking rad. Thank you for listening again to the Washed Up Emo Podcast, episode 63. Matthew Daniels, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Once again, poly-graph.co to check out all the data visualization and genius that Matthew puts on the internet. If this is your first time or 63rd time listening to the podcast, thank you. Thank you so much. Check me out on the internet, washedupemo.com, backslash washedupemo, everything else. Leave a review on iTunes if you feel like it, good or bad. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>